Hello. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to History Woes Podcast. I'm Morgan. I'm Lexi. Hey. Still doing it. Hey. We're having technical difficulties over here. And adulting difficulties also on my end. Yeah. So you're going on a date, right? Where are you going? Yeah. So my husband planned a date for us and we're like falling on a budget for the next couple weeks-ish. And he found a place that's doing a free concert tonight. The tickets were free, but you had to reserve in advance because it's limited seating. Mm -hmm. And I completely forgot that this was a thing that we were doing today. Um, Yeah. But it's supposed to be, have you ever seen the NPR Tiny Desk shows? I've seen the Under the Desk News. Nope, nope, not the same. <laughs> so NPR will get like really famous musicians and they cram them into a tiny room and then oh. they play around a desk. Okay. Um, and this is something similar to that where it's in an alley behind a store and they just set up a whole stage in limited seating okay. and then there's standing room in the back and just kind of turn it into like an impromptu show. Gotcha. I think he's like a blues singer or something and he plays guitar. Okay. Well, that so, sounds like fun. What time yeah. does that start? Eight o'clock. <laughs> okay. So I was reminded of this this afternoon and I was like, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> yeah, I totally didn't forget about that. And then... I was like, okay, fine. And I was jamming and I was like on pace for everything. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to shower. I'm going to have time for everything. And then my boss hits me up at 3.30 and he's like, hey, you want to have a monthly one-on-one to like talk about career progression? Mm-hmm. And like, I can't say no. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like, well, actually, you're kind of cramping my style right now. <laughs> so I didn't say no. And yeah. And then my laptop had to update, and that's been going on for half an hour. And now I'm casting to you all from my husband's desktop and his headset. Hey, I knew things were going well when I saw the microphone light up. Yeah. (laughs) Now we're sick of peanut oil. (laughs) Yeah, he hands it to me. He's like, you're ready to go. And I was like, great. Slap it on my head. Why is nothing working? The one thing I didn't check, the power. I work (laughs) in your I have no excuse. I have no excuse. Anyway, um, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. Well, I'm doing less. I mean, I know that this is a very um, selfish take on this. So obviously the submarine, all that stuff, everyone's talking about it. And they they found some debris and things that it imploded. And because of certain people in my life, all I can think of is uh, the pressure and them exploding and spines going in free fair. Oh, it's been on my mind. So I'm really also, happy I think, that I'm drinking today. Also, I think don't, that would be... Don't, don't say something worse. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're like, yeah, no, it goes, the pressure goes a different way instead of... I don't care. I'm thinking of that. I don't want to think of that. I already know one really bad thing, so I'm going to keep it at that, <laughs> that one really bad thing. Well, you're welcome, and I'm terribly sorry. What are you drinking? <laughs> and I mean, RIP to those people. I'm really sad about yeah, it, too. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm it's like really sad. They're billionaires. It's fine. I feel bad for the kid, I, but you know, yeah. But, so I'm thinking teenagers need to ask more questions. They probably don't. I feel like they ask a lot, but I just feel like as a teenager, I would have been yeah. like, "Hey, how are we driving this?" And they pull out that broke ass. If you go to the Google reviews for that specific model controller, oh, no. all the reviews talk about it disconnecting randomly. Well, he said he had some extra ones. I don't. 
<laughs> in fairness to Logitech, in fairness, I don't think that was what did it. I think it was the Camping World Park. <laughs> or the pool noodle. The five below pool noodle. I don't know. Yeah. I think it was one of those things. Not, I don't think it was the controller. But Camping World Marketing Team is going to be drafting a statement. Okay. <laughs> or Camping World. So, I'm sorry. What are you drinking? Um, It's gin and juice. Um, Hell yeah. So I got a little rainbow straw. It's like a, it's a mermaid straw, but it's like it's like I don't know. You move it yeah. in colors. Um, and then a little purple gin in my y'all. I'm trying to go with all the colors because it's third week of Pride Month. Yeah, I love it. I'm uh drinking Crown Royal Peach Tea again. Oh yeah, because it's what was in my fridge still. So it is delicious. And we're back. It's cool. Welcome back. What happened, friend? My power went on. I don't know when. It's not raining. So I don't know. What, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's happening. Other than technology is not on our side today. Alrighty. So you're drinking the peach stuff. I am. I'm, so I'm drinking today. peach crown royal, royal, which suddenly 7% is not strong enough. <laughs> what I'm so glad. What me today? It's like, I am so good on time. She is not good. On, which is like a recurring thing in my life. Like, I really shouldn't be surprised. But anyway. No. So it's the third week nope. of Pride Month. It is. It doesn't kind of do anything Pride uh, at all this month. Did you so. not get to do your drag queen bingo? Mm-mm. No, I did not get to do that because it conflicted with a meaning. Okay, well, that's really disrespectful. It was really disrespectful. Feels like a hate crime. Feels like a hate crime. Yeah. So I couldn't, and it was drag queen bingo. It's like my meeting ended, but it's like drag queen bingo. So if I like logged in late, I feel like A, you can't really log in late to bingo, and B, I'll probably be shamed publicly for being the same. So I was like, oh, well, and I was like, I guess I'll just not come to the party. So I'm so sorry. That sucks. It's my I keep pride in my heart and this show. Technically, this show counts as always something pride fun, but I haven't gotten to see any anybody like in cute colors and twirling and shit. How about you? I went to I don't know if that was technically in Pride Month or not. I went to a gay bar. That was it. Okay. I don't know. Okay. If that was... We've been like not because what did we do? You came up. That was in mm-hmm. Fish Month. Yeah. And then... that was not last weekend, but the weekend before. Yeah. And then last weekend was Father's Day. Yeah. And so we went down to Titusville. I was surprised I didn't run into your dad because I was in Bartow. And uh, he really is in Georgia home. right now. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess the YouTube guy is from Bartow and he had a, a show premiering on the Weather Channel. And I was like, is this about cars? Because I don't want to go see anybody. That, it was for Spencer because I don't watch this person. I don't want to go see anything about cars. But luckily, it was not about cars. It was about scuba diving. So maybe Andrew will know this guy. I forgot this guy's name. But basically, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> basically, he goes, well, I read grade A reporting between the two of us. Just... I remember his dog's name. His dog's name is Reef. And as soon as I found him, I could, they're like, oh, my dog's here. I was like, I almost got up in the middle of the show to go up there and have his dog. So I, I waited, though. But I guess he does a lot of scuba diving here around Florida and other places. And he finds lost shit like cell phones or watches or sunglasses or really expensive jewelry. Titanic submarine thing or no? He doesn't like to go too deep. 
okay, that's fair. You know why? Shit like this happens. That's exactly right. So, and then he will try to track down the people the things belong to and return them to them. So, oh, well, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, he seems like a like a nice guy now. He's got a show on the Weather Channel. It comes on uh, Sunday nights at nine. And his right. name was something very bland. It was like, I think it's like Brandon Johnson, maybe. That might be it. That might be it. It's it, it's not it's pretty. It, yes, it is. Well, y'all <laughs> tune into the Weather Channel Sunday nights at nine to see Reese the dog and whatever the fuck his owner's name is. So instead of paying a cheese tax, I guess whenever the guy catches and releases a fish, Reese has to be able to lick it first. Here, here, the field face still like. <laughs> and it needs to the fist back in before he gets like it apparently he gets for reals oh no don't make him sad these were the facts i needed to know when i was told about it i was like okay great perfect yeah things you tell me about gotta gotta work better on the sales pitch with you <laughs> like the weather channel is it about weather no all right but is there a dog <laughs> yes there's a dog i'll be there son of a bitch i'm in right exactly i love it all right so i guess before like something else happens we should start speaking about stories yeah am i first yeah all right pretty great so (laughs) you all know what i'm covering today Mm -hmm. and uh spoilers for y'all it's actually a two-parter so i'll be telling you another part of the story next week oh shit you crafty devil i am (laughs) okay (laughs) So every time I hear the story, I cry my eyes out. And I'm going to try my dampest to not be a blubbering mess this whole time. Well, I'm not telling the story, so I can cry if I want to. That's fair. This is the story of the Stonewall Riot. And I love Lady. Lady. So, well, she's next week. Uh, this is just the riot. Of this story. I don't know. There I is, there's so oh. much. And I was writing about the actual riots themselves. And I was like, mm-hmm. this is an entire episode as it mm-hmm. is. So mm-hmm. I have material for next week. I got you. So right tune in next week for the second half. But to go on part one, <laughs> as we've described in previous episodes, it sucked to be a member of the Alphabet Mafia in the 60s. You could be arrested for loving someone. You could be arrested for having your buttons on the wrong side of your shirt. Be arrested for trying to have sex with the consenting adult of your choice. For these reasons... Gay bars were a safe haven to many, and New York City was no exception. But the New York State Liquor Authority would fine and shut down places they suspected of being a gay bar. They claimed that a gathering of gays was, quote, disorderly, which I can't wait for Gen Z to co-opt that term as a group of gay people. Well, like dis- we're disorderly? Yeah, like as an empowering. Yeah. Like, yeah, no, I know what you mean. Like, grows a disorderly of gay people. Love it. Yeah, I, I love that. It was 1966 when the LGBTQIA plus group, the Mattachine Society, staged zip-ins where they would go exist in a space and get kicked out and sue <laughs> every establishment that kicked them out before the yes. Commission on Human Rights ruled that they had to be served in bars. All right. Okay, so as of 1966, you could be openly gay and be served. But if you were behaving in any ways that indicated you were gay, something scandalous and wildly inappropriate, like holding hands with your significant other, was still grounds for arrest. This led to an unlikely alliance between the alphabet mafia and the actual mafia. See, the mafia, yeah, the mafia operated bars without liquor licenses. So the license couldn't be suspended. 
And the mafia was already accustomed to paying off the police so they could turn a profit. So the alliance made some sense. Mm -hmm. By the mid-1960s, the Genovese crime family controlled the majority of the gay bars in Greenwich Village. By 1966, they purchased the Stonewall Inn, which had formerly been just a normal restaurant, and they turned it into a gay bar. Hell yeah. The Stonewall Inn was registered as a BYOB bar, so they didn't need a liquor license. And they paid off police to look the other way. Okay. Yeah, I've only ever been to one place like that, and it's a Chinese food place in Tampa. That'll let you bring your own business. I didn't know. I, w- I had no idea. So apparently paying off police to look the other way was such a common occurrence at this point that it had a name. Paying off cops to look the other way on your gay bar was called a gayola. <laughs> I like that a lot. Also really thrilled that this is named, uh, probably not after, but has shares a name with a Confederate general. Makes me very happy. I'm Does sure he would love that his name. Oh, Stonewall. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he would be super duper thrilled. Fuck him. Was he on the Confederate side? I looked it up just to make sure I didn't make an ass of myself just now. <laughs> if not, um, we can cut it. And it says, yeah. Thomas Jonathan Stonewall Jackson was a general officer in the Confederate States Army. Yep. I was mixing him up with Andrew Jackson. Yeah, he's just an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was beautiful. <laughs> and also very racist, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, he was the worst. So the club didn't meet most of the requirements of even being a bar. They didn't have a fire exit. They didn't have running water behind the bar to wash the glasses. It was just like tubs of water. And regularly their toilets would overflow. Oh, no. But no one cared. It was a safe place people could go. And quickly it became an institution. Unlike most gay bars, it welcomed drag queens with open arms. It had a relatively cheap cover charge. And it became a safe haven for homeless gay youths in the area who would panhandle the cash to be able to get it. And it was one of the only bars that allowed gay men to dance. (laughs) Wow. All right. That's a shame because not to stereotype, but have you seen it? Because it's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) The raids still occurred, but the mob managed bars would get tipped off by the cops. Mm-hmm. they'd stash the alcohol they definitely weren't selling and would give a heads up to members of the Alphabet Mafia so they could skedaddle before the raid. Typically, if a raid was coming, the black lights that usually lit the establishment would be turned off and they'd turn on the fluorescence overhead to give everyone notice. The raid is always a notice to get out of a bar to this day. Yep. <laughs> they can get it <laughs> Yep. Uh, the raids occurred on a monthly basis. And Stonewall had already been raided in the month of June in 1969. So it came as a complete surprise when police showed up at the Stonewall Inn in the early hours of June 28th with a warrant in hand. Four cops, two men and two women, showed up undercover that night and obtained visual evidence while the, quote, public morals squad waited outside for the signal. Once ready, the undercover cops used the bar's payphone to call for backup. When the moral squad came to the door, they announced, police, we're taking the place. The music cut and the lights came on. Some people tried to make a run for it, but cops had already barred the doors. The raid, though, didn't go as intended. Standard operating procedure was to line everyone up, check IDs, and then take people to the bathrooms to check their genitals to verify that they were dressed appropriately for their sex. 
anyone presenting as other than their genitals indicated would be arrested. Just grab my picture. Uh, you <laughs> look hard. Wait, right. Yeah, like, it's, uh, it's screaming for eternity. Check your genitals. You know, when cops escort you to a bathroom and tell you to drop them so they can, or lift your skirt up so they can see. That's, that's, okay. Okay. So, well, that's the bad thing that happens when, when trans people go to the bathroom, by the way, it's the cop, not Mm -hmm. the trans people. That is correct. But, okay. I mean, okay. So I don't want to sound naive. Like I'm under, I know there was, there was a struggle here. I guess like sometimes you hear a detail and you're just like, <laughs> what? Like it mid jives, right? Like everything, like I guess that, that it makes sense it for the time. Out. But also it's just horrifying. Yeah, exactly. It's, I guess I never cease like to be horrified. I can't like, it's not surprising so much as it's just like, yeah, no, of course they did that. But also what the fuck? Yep. Okay. So yep. dental check. Yep. Folks decided that they'd had enough. Women refused to go to the bathrooms with the officers. Men refused to produce ID. The cops responded by visually separating those they suspected of cross-dressing and brought them all into a back room. Officers started frisking the lesbians and started feeling them up. Yeah, of course they fucking did. Police were waiting on additional patrol cars to arrive to take both the booze and the people they were to arrest to the precinct. But the cars hadn't arrived yet. So they let everyone who wasn't being arrested out of the club. But instead of hurrying home, they just waited outside. They could hear scuffles starting inside the bar as police abused folks who had been detained. When the first paddy wagon arrived, they first loaded in the mafia members. The crowd cheered. Not everyone was super thrilled about the mafia owning the bar, especially since if you were a more prominent member of society, say someone working in the financial district, the mob would absolutely turn around and blackmail you for yeah. well, okay, and out you. Like, they're still the mob, right? right? Well, yeah. Yeah, they are the mob. So everyone cheers when the mobsters get thrown into the wagon. Then the bartenders come out. Someone in the crowd yelled, gay power. And another started singing, we shall overcome. Then a woman in handcuffs was escorted out of the bar. She escaped several times, which I really <laughs> hope looks like a Monty Python skit. Looks like it does in my head. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's actually a football player. <laughs> she just keeps talking under those. <laughs> so good. She was described as a, quote, typical New York butch. At one point, an officer hit her over the head with his baton. She was loaded into the car, and as she was tossed in, she shouted, Why don't you guys do something? That was all the crowd needed. Someone suggested the bar had been raided because the cops hadn't been paid off. So the crowd decided to pay them, and they started flicking coins at the cops and screamed, Pig! And what started as flicking pennies and bottle caps at the officers turned into beer bottles and bricks from a nearby construction site and a parking meter that was used as a battering ram. Look, you got to use what's on hand. This is New York. It's the city. <laughs> you got to pick up what's there. Bricks, parking meter. <laughs> well, the parking meter was bolted to the ground. And yeah, uh, be, you're going to pick up another cop and you're going to beat another cop <laughs> with that cop. It turns out uh, six drag queens can absolutely rip a parking meter out of the fucking ground. 
Oh my gosh. Would not fuck with. Absolutely not. <laughs> Police tried to restrain some of the crowd, knocking people down in the process, but this just further frenzied the crowd. Some of the people in the paddy wagon who were left unattended escorted themselves out of the wagon and went on their way. <laughs> They're just like, I'm just picturing like a big lady in a dress just halting out and ripping the And then other people just like just getting up and getting out of paddy wagon. Like, well, they look in the classy motherfucker. They gotta go. They got parking meter. Right. It's amazing. Yeah, no, it's great. As the crowd started to try and overturn the police cars. A couple of the cops got in and drove away on slash tires. The police, woefully outnumbered, facing a crowd of 500 angry people, grabbed who they could arrest and barricaded themselves in the bar. The first of those arrested was actually a mentor to Bob Dylan, Dave Van Ronk, who wasn't gay, but he had heard the commotion from a few bars down and just decided to come out and join the action. Rosie on over. What did, what, what did he look like a girl or something? Why did he get arrested? He was very feminine. Because he started um, fighting up. Oh, oh, well, that's, you know. But <laughs> I he heard their commotion were... and came out and was like, all right, yeah, fuck them. Let's go. Ooh, it's the 60s. We fighting cops. Let's fight some cops. <laughs> it's crazy because... how franks we were in the 60s. He's just, and... quote, as far as I was concerned, anybody who'd stand up the cops was all right with me. And that's why <laughs> I stayed in. Every time you turned around, the cops were pulling some outrage or another. So I mean, they're, like, they're not oh. wrong. I could only assume that those tires were slashed with drag queen fingernails. Just <laughs> my assumption was broken beer bottles, but also maybe an incredibly that, that's sharp. Better. Nail. I just picture like those real points, like it, it, in my mind, just it's nails, just just a like a vampire. <laughs> I love it. So. Dave Van Ronk, along with several other detainees and the cops, there was also a writer for the Village Voice, Howard Smith. Everyone agrees that it was the most outcast among the gay community, the transgender, the drag queens, and the street kids who threw the first projectiles. The crowd lit garbage on fire and stuffed it into the windows. The cops tried to use a hose from inside as a fire hose, but the place had shit water pressure, so it was kind of a normal spray. So when it hit the crowd, it was just really refreshing rather than deterring. <laughs> and uh, as things escalated, the cops drew their pistols, threatening to fire on the crowd. Yep. Howard Smith from the Village Voice recalled that he grabbed a wrench from under the sink at the bar and stuffed it in his pants. He wasn't sure if he was going to have to use it against the crowd or the cops, but he was ready. <laughs> he saw someone squirt lighter fluid into the bar and light it. Fire. Wait, no, not the bar. Yeah. So the cops are barricaded inside the bar. Oh, right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Okay. But huh. still. Fire trucks arrived promptly. The tactical patrol force of the New York City Police Department arrived to free the police trapped inside Stonewall. One officer's eye was cut and a few others were bruised from being struck by flying debris. Bob Kohler, who was out walking his dog by Stonewall that night... <laughs> uh, you know, just no business here. Just walking my dog. But sees this riot of 500 fucking people. He said, I'd been to enough riots to know the fun was over. The cops were <laughs> completely humiliated. This never happened. 
they were angrier than I guess anybody had ever been because, well, at this point, everyone else had rioted, but the fairies weren't supposed to riot and no group had ever forced the cops to retreat before. So the anger was just enormous. I mean, they wanted to kill. I mean, in I was going to say in the 60s, but I mean, it really doesn't need that qualification. I mean, how mad does a cop have to be before they start shooting everywhere? Not very. We've learned that. (laughs) I'm not necessarily anti-cop, but I'll say same. It just not all of you, but enough of you. Yep. I feel the same way about cops as I do white men, but <laughs> large cross section in that. Yeah, it's kind of actually not all of you, but fucking enough of you. They keep just fucking everything up. Armed with larger numbers, the police detained anyone they could and put them into patrol wagons to go to the jail. The riot in total lasted 45 minutes, though the mob wouldn't disperse for another two hours. The crowd instead continued to taunt the police, and the drag queens formed a kick line and sang ta ra ra boom die in the faces of the police. Bitch. Oh my gosh. They're like, oh my gosh. You know, people are like, when, like, if you could go back to any time, when would you go to a, a kick line at the police after a riot? After a riot where they just tried to sexually assault everybody that was in a bar really is top on the list right now mm-hmm. like places you could just see at the women's jail that night there was chanting gay rights gay rights gay rights that night reports called in and all three major newspapers in new york at the time the new york times the new york post and the daily news covered the story the daily news put it on the front page word of the riot spread like wildfire and the next day people showed up to see the site Stonewall was covered in graffiti that said drag power and support gay power, legalize gay bars, and they invaded our rights. And one specific spray painted section said, We are open. alcohol to begin with. Fine, come on in. The black lights are on. People flocked, both those who were gay and those who were wanting to be awful. People started openly displaying affection for one of the first times in history. And this led to more violence breaking out. This time, it wasn't hundreds. It was thousands. And it's the second night that there are reports of a street queen climbing a lamppost and dropping a purse filled with bricks onto the hood of a police car and shattering the windshield. You guys, there's something to be said at this point. Parking meters and just scaling straight lamps. In all likelihood, in pantyhose, by the way. Pantyhose and heels. I don't know how much heels get into it once you get off the ground, but pantyhose will make you slide down something. That's true. They had the thigh power to get up more than one person did this, which is wild to me. Like the the hulking out that's occurring at this time. Absolutely. People are fucking done. They're just so mad. I've never been mad enough to scale up a light pole in pantyhose. Hundreds of police arrested people. Kick lines went on throughout the night. Fires were set throughout the neighborhood, and for the second night in a row, it didn't calm down until 4 a.m. Allen Ginsberg, Greenwich Village resident and poet, said, Upon visiting Stonewall for the first time ever that night, you know, 
the guys there were so beautiful. They'd yeah. lost that wounded look that Fax all had 10 years ago. Oh. Which oh. I don't think it was necessarily like fighting words and an insult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah. It was, I was left in the chest there. <laughs> yeah. It's like a uh, in the chest. Yeah. A man who was part of the riot that first night, Michael Fader, recounted the experience saying, we all had a collective feeling like we'd had enough of this kind of shit. It wasn't anything tangible anyone said to anyone else. It was just kind of like everything over the years had come to a head on that particular night in the one particular place. It wasn't an organized demonstration. Everyone in the crowd felt we were never going back. It was the last straw. It was time to reclaim something that had been taken from us. All kinds of people, all different reasons, but mostly just total outrage, anger, sorrow, everything combined, and everything just kind of ran its course. It was the police who did most of the destruction. We were really trying to get back in and break everyone free. And we felt that we had freedom at last, or freedom at least, to show that we demanded freedom. We weren't going to be walking meekly in the night and letting them shove us around. It's like standing your ground for the first time in a really strong way. And that's what caught police by surprise. There was something in the air, freedom a long time overdue, and we're going to fight for it. It took different forms, but the bottom line was we weren't going away, and we didn't. The Mattachine Society issued a newsletter the following month offering an explanation for why the riots occurred. The Stonewall catered largely to a group of people who are not welcome in or cannot afford other places of homosexual gathering. The Stonewall became home to these kids. When it was raided, they fought for it. That and the fact that they had nothing else to lose other than the most tolerant and broad-minded gay place in town explains why. The Stonewall Uprising didn't start the gay rights movement. It was a galvanizing force for the Alphabet Mafia political activism, leading to numerous gay rights organizations, including the Gay Liberation Front, the Human Rights Campaign, GLAAD, formerly Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation, and PFLAG, formerly Parents, Families, and Friends of Lesbians and Gays. On the one-year anniversary of the riots on June 28, 1970, thousands of people marched into the streets of Manhattan from the Stonewall Inn to Central Park in what was then called the Christopher Street Liberation Day, America's first gay pride parade. The parade's official chant was, Say it loud, gay is proud. And marching in that parade was the street queen who whoopsie-daisied her bag full of bricks onto the police car. <laughs> From a late poll. Her name was Marsha P. Johnson, but you'll learn all about her next week. Hey, what what place are you to pause? Amazing. Well, that was a excellent story. The kick line, honestly, was my favorite part. Followed, <laughs> I thought you would like that. directly by the parking meter being ripped out of the ground. Yeah. So, you know. I hate to tell you this, but I have exactly 9% left on my computer and my power is so I am now considering my option. Should we pause? Can we reconvene tomorrow at some point? Sure. Wow. Toodaloo. I hope you have a great date night. Thanks. I hope you get power soon. Bye. Bye.
Welcome back, guys. All right, back again. Can't keep this Welcome podcast down. <laughs> Can't keep me from talking. Mm. Not Tico, not nobody. <laughs> it was our block. It was just our block. I looked at the, the Tico adage map, and it was like just the little green square of my block. So I, I ended up going to the theater and working on the set. It's going to look so good. So cute right now. I'm so excited. They just released auditions for the next play for Frankenstein. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, do I want to commit the time? But also, it's Frankenstein and it comes out yeah, in kinda. October. I'm like, oh, so perfect. And you have to do the cool English accent. I was like, made for you. I just, I'm sad because Dr. Frankenstein. I think so. I guess so. This, this is an original play by one of the guys who I think he's on the board for the Plant City Entertainment and he wrote it and I believe there's three installments but basically Frankenstein lives throughout the ages and I think this is the 30s so I think he's already had one chapter already so I think he has his Frankenstein but now he needs other people but there were a few roles on there where I was like hmm that'd be nice to, I think you should audition do. for all the parts I'm gonna I'm gonna audition. I'm pretty sure. I'm telling myself, like, oh, do I want to commit the time? But I'm like, kinda. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so back. It's a whole new day for us. I just took my doggies to the vet. They cost me a lot of money, and they're very pup set because they got pup and prodded, and they're grumpy and groaning at me. Poor babies. <laughs> yeah, but they got all the things, and now they're all protected, and they got perfect bills of health. Great job, girl. Um, I'm aggressively so over vet bills right now, and I need to take Yogi to the vet. When we moved up here, he was the only motherfucker who needed a vet appointment, <laughs> and now I'm down a cat, and the other one ran me like $700 no. when we went, because just to tell me he's old. And I'm like, yeah, man, he's 17. Yeah. I fucking know. Like, <laughs> this cat can drive, okay? I know. <laughs> This cat drove here. Cat can only drink in many countries. Like, yeah, I get it. My my baby's old. I know. I know. Shit. Damn. But, uh... So Yogi's the only one who still hasn't been to that. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sick of seeing that place. He's gonna have to wait a month or so. Some time away from that office. Yeah, that that's fair. That's totally fair. I signed up for a monthly subscription though for a vet. So I pay like twenty nine dollars a month, but then I get like unlimited health care for them. So that's cool. And the copay is much less and I can file a claim. I'm doing my best to minimize my pet bills. Yeah. Yeah, because dogs are expensive when you take care of them. For that real, is real. true. Mm-hmm. And the bigger the dog, the more expensive. They charge me less for biscuit, less surface area. Yo, you're going to have to lose some weight. <laughs> you want to sign up like, uh, he's a, <clears throat> a medium-sized dog? When we were looking for houses to rent, a lot of places said no large breeds. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, it's fucking large. <laughs> well, it's a 130-pound Great Pyrenees because if that's exactly. the case, he's not that. 
No, he's not. He is a 90-pound lab, but that could be <laughs> medium-sized. He could be. It's all relative, okay? Are we talking Great Danes? Are we talking Newfoundlands? Okay, because Have you seen the new mid-sized sedans? They're huge. They're gigantic. So, I mean, I would, come on. Yogi. Yogi is a mid-sized sedan. Modern mid-sized sedan. <laughs> Minivan? Yeah, no, he's not. No, he's not. He's a mid-sized sedan. I got the girls in here with me. This is the best Lilo and him have ever gotten along. So they're in separate places. Oh, man. All right. I guess we should get to tell him some more stories. Yeah. Um, sorry, guys. Uh, That's what it's like. We, we, we didn't see each other for a day. <laughs> we have to redo yeah. the beginning I of need a, I need to find a sound bite of the SpongeBob 24 hours later. <laughs> right? It nearly is. Um, okay. So it's Friday. Tell me everything. Do you want some stories? So I got my story today from our honorary history ho, Simone. We threw it out last week to her in case she might have a good story. And she didn't disappoint. She never does. If this podcast ever makes it big, I am tapping her for a job of like, you You have the great stories. She would make an amazing statement. That and our PR person. And PR. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. No. She's, she's our best her. PR person. 1000%. But yeah, so I feel like a bit like the cat who ate the canary with this story because now I get to tell everyone else about it. But today I am covering William Dorsey Swan, the first self proclaimed queen of drag yeah. or Marsha P. Johnson's cultural and spiritual great 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 grandmother. Aw, I can't wait um, to hear it. Tell me everything. So I don't know what William's pronouns were, so I'm going to roll with they. So not only were they the first self-proclaimed queen of drag, they were also born into slavery. So I don't know what time period everybody thought we were going to be in, but we're in the 1800s, which is a very difficult time to be a drag queen and African-American, though times haven't really gotten like that much better, to be honest. So Swan was born into slavery around 1858 and was the fifth of 13 children. Born to enslaved parents, Mary Jane Yonker, a housekeeper, and Jack Swan, a wheat farmer. After the Civil War ended, William's parents bought a plot of land and started a farm. In 1880, William moved to D.C. where they worked and sent money back to the family. So to give a little context to where William is now, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed in 1863. But a few months before that was signed, the D.C. Compensated Emancipation Act of 1862 ended slavery in the nation's capital. So the April 1862 Act freed more than 3,000 enslaved people and drew thousands of Black Americans to Washington, D.C., which quickly became like a center of Black political, intellectual, and cultural life. So between 1860 and 1870, the city's Black population tripled in size from 14,136 to 43,404. So DC is like bustling and a safer place to be for Black Americans than most other places. Love to see it. Yeah, well, yeah. Wish that was still the case. Yeah. Yeah. Not for much. In addition to the African American community in DC, where there are people, the queer community exists, always has, always will. But sadly, as above, so below 
the queer community was racially divided, which brings us back to like that conversation we were having last week about trans people. It's strange outside looking in and also like many years removed to see people recognizing otherness than what was supposed to be quote unquote normal, but cannot see or recognize that in other places. So like the white queer community knew what it was like to be other than and understood they weren't widely accepted. But for the most part, and I assume there are like maybe a few odd individuals that may have made the connection, but far and wide, even knowing what it felt like to be scared to be who they were, they still segregated themselves from the black queer community. So there's also like commentary to be had on like what would have been more dangerous at that time for a white person than like being queer or associating with black people. And then like another conversation about the hierarchy of morality in America for white cisgendered people. That was like a conversation. I don't think we have time yeah. for but like it's <laughs> just like all wrapped up like, oh, what's supposed to be yeah. wrong? Regardless, the queer communities in the 1880s in D.C. are segregated, except for only a few instances. One such hot spot on the scene was Lafayette Square, just adjacent to the White House where gay men of mixed race could mingle. Though it would be rare for any race, mixed race hookups or get-togethers, except for the drag scene. So a little history for the term drag. There are a couple possibilities of where that term stems from. Some think it's from the term grand rag, which is another term for a masquerade. Oh. And yeah. And another possibility is the length of the dresses worn on stage that would drag the floor. So has that's that always been the style? I don't know. The definition of drag is also debated. So according to the National Center for Transgender Equality, the term refers to, quote, a type of entertainment where people dress up and perform, often in highly stylized ways. The Encyclopedia Britannica states that drag often seeks to undo gender norms through doing or dressing the part of the opposite sex. Historian Channing Gerard Joseph takes a narrower approach and believes that drag requires two key elements, an intentional celebration of gender expression and a competition. He points out that Shakespearean actors didn't dress up as women as a form of self-expression, but rather because women were barred from appearing on stage during Tudor times. So that's just some takes on what drag means. I'll let the historians fight it out. All I know is I love a drag show. Yeah, I feel like it's like gender expression. Yeah, like I think it is. (laughs) <laughs> camp is is like a requisite part for mm-hmm. at least every drag show i've ever seen i don't disagree i don't disagree i think that, that's that definitely missing. so yeah back to william so they're on the scene in dc's apparently thriving queer community and working on making a name for themselves one of the ways william did this was by holding parties called drag balls drag balls weren't new to the world they were celebrated was this mainly. the origin of dragon ballsy (laughs) yes 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 it is so they were celebrated mainly in the first third of the 20th century and cross-dressing and ballroom dancing with same-sex partners was allowed by the 1900s the balls had become really important cultural events for the alphabet mafia community however according to the historian we just talked about channing gerard joseph william was the first to hold the balls in america so the balls were held in secret. I'm loving all of the double entendre that's happening right now, by the way. The balls were held in secret <laughs> and <laughs> provided a safe space for gender expression, but were, as you can probably guess, risky to attend. 
Joseph wrote, quote, a large but undetermined number managed to flee during the police raids, but the names of those arrested and jailed were printed in the papers where the men became targets of public scorn. In post-Civil War America, there was very little patience for men who subverted gender norms. Sentences for those charged with attending drag balls ranged from around three to ten months imprisonment. So that's really sad. Yeah. I hate people. Yeah. At the balls, guests wore women's clothing or men's suits and danced to folk music. And the balls included a competitive element called a resistance dance that Mm. during the antebellum era or the pre-Civil War period was known as a cakewalk. So in today's vernacular, when we say something is a cakewalk or a piece of cake, we usually mean that something is easy. But the origin of the term goes back to the dances held by enslaved people on southern plantations there are a few variations on what would happen during the cakewalk dance uh depending on different accounts from different areas in the south which makes sense different places i mean it's gonna vary um but one of the most popular variations was when enslaved people would dance in a mimic of the very formal white people's dancing at the time the movements were usually a bit over pronounced and formal on purpose to mock the slave owners the slave owners didn't really catch on to this. And in fact, some enjoyed the dance and thought it was for their own entertainment. I had no idea that's where that originated. Most people don't. Like, um, I had zero clue. Yeah, most people don't know. I only knew that like a couple of years ago. I think it was kind of during the George Floyd stuff. And there were people on TikTok and there's this account. I don't remember who she was. Obviously, there was a lot of content coming out at the time, as there should have been. And there was a woman who was like covering like shit you didn't know was racist and where things like stem back to. And Cakewalk was one of them. And I was like, oh, shit. So now I like it to started look- with church ladies. Oh, no. Cakes. Well, there's cakes and there. I imagine these people attended church. So the slave owners would watch and sometimes think like, oh, they're dancing for us because of course they did. And sometimes the best couple to dance the dance would get cake as a prize. These dances were still popular after the Civil War, like it was during the drag balls, where there was still that element of competition on who performed the best dance. But eventually, this is just, it grosses me out. But eventually the dance became a popular staple in minstrel shows, which is the shows that were popular in the 1800s where white men dressed up in blackface. Which, let us consider for a moment, that is a show, a minstrel show, making fun of people who were making fun of you. You're too fucking stupid to realize they are making fun of you. Yep. So, anyway. So we could probably throw Cakewalk out of of our everyday usage just because the people ended up making it something like, oh, it's so easy that even black people can do it. Yeah. So that's why we say it's a piece of cake or something like it's a Cakewalk. Nice. Gross. Yeah. Anyway, so William is holding these bomb-ass drag balls. Around the same time, it's believed that Swan was inspired by the Queens of Freedom, who were crowned at Washington's Emancipation Day parades. These annual celebrations were first held in April 1866, and each neighborhood was represented by a woman who personified freedom for Black people. Soon, Swan started crowning the winners of their dance competitions as the Queen of the Ball. And Student Swan also adopted the title for themselves. Historian Joseph writes about Swan saying, quote, There's this concept of drag, which is separate. 
And there's this concept of queens of freedom. And in D.C., in this particular time, post-slavery, post-Reconstruction, these two concepts collide. To identify as a drag queen, which is what William Dorsey Swan did, is combining these two strains and these two cultural traditions. Also during this time, because it's exactly like now, a wave of laws passed in cities all across the country explicitly banning cross-dressing. Historian Jen Mannion wrote that the rules were applied very selectively and were riddled with inconsistencies and contradictions. Uh, probably mean like black people were targeted more and probably black people. Real quick, yeah. they struck down, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, the drag ban was ruled unconstitutional in Florida. Oh, what excellent news. Yeah. That's excellent news. Thank yeah. you. Sorry, that. that just popped in my head. Don't be sorry. It's Pride Month and we just dropped that thing. Gosh, darn, that makes me happy. Yeah. Okay. Good, 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 good. I hope DeSantis is just stomping his little dumb feet somewhere. Man, uh, you know their tiny feet, too. His little white You know boots. they are. You know they are. His little yeah. pristine white boot. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. So um, the arrests of Swan and his friends were even more sensationalized in the press and probably drew the attention of authorities because most of the participants were black. And this is in Jim Crow America. So for queer black Americans to see so much joy and freedom in their gender expression at this time was seen as a threat. Whatever. In late 1895, authorities arrested Swan for, quote, keeping a disorderly house, which means they're running a brothel. Oh, I was going <laughs> to say, I'm about to be arrested, but yeah. I'm, I'm in fact not running a brothel. No, no. <laughs> That's more your territory. That's me days. right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go rehearse for it and just, just after we're done recording this. The Evening Star reported on January 13th, 1896, that, quote, a number of men, white and I don't agree with this word. This is 18 something. A number of men, white and colored, were found in this place, which Judge Miller characterized as a hell of iniquity. May all our homes one day be characterized as such. I would love that. Um, we start making, like, home decor. Right? And I'm like, it's a hell of iniquity. We get some white lady <laughs> words on our walls and just... Yes. Live, laugh, lurk. Hell of yeah. iniquity. <laughs> yes. That would be amazing. The court sentenced Swan to 300 days in prison. After serving three months of his sentence, Swan, who had pled not guilty, filed a petition for a pardon from President Grover Cleveland. In a show of support, 30 of Swan's friends signed the document. But U.S. Attorney A.A. A. Bierney argued vehemently against the pardon, stating, quote, The prisoner was in fact convicted of the most horrible and disgusting offenses known to the law. An offense so disgusting that it is unnamed. His evil example in the community must have been most corrupting. If it's unnamed, how can it be illegal? I don't know. This man doesn't know what he's talking about. So he's probably just really mad he was never invited to any Swans parties. Well, yeah, he sounds like swear. he fucking sucks. Yeah. I wouldn't invite him to my party either. Yeah, no. Why would you? you he sat me something to come up on. Bitch ass. <laughs> just dragging this man. I love it. President Chris. <laughs> 
Dragging these balls across his face. Right? Yeah, (laughs) that's the only balls we're dragging for him. Uh, President Cleveland would unsurprisingly deny the petition. But Swan's attempt to clear their name represents the earliest documented example of an American activist taking specific legal and political steps to defend the queer community's right to gather without the threat of criminalization, suppression, or police violence. So that's really significant in a number of ways because Swan was a Black man, at least assigned at birth, born into slavery, campaigning for freedom and rights, but not just on behalf of his race, but on behalf of his identity. And not only that, there is a collective queer militant resistance here. Because it's the 1800s and 30 people also signed this with him at times when names were being printed in the paper. So, like, it's very significant. Sadly, however, after the arrest, Swan retired from being active in the D.C. queer community by 1900. They moved back to Hancock, Maryland, where they died in December of 1925 at the age of 65. But being that as it may... The, ball, the drag balls and Swan's legacy continued in D.C. One of Swan's younger brothers, a tailor named Daniel J. Swan, continued in costuming the Washington drag community until his own death in 1954. Drag balls would expand to other cities during the 20th century, and eventually we have the public events that we enjoy today. Here in Florida, apparently. I'm very excited. Yay. Everybody can go. Yeah, because when I wrote this, I had just said, or at least semi-public. For now, but now it's really public for probably ever. We're back, baby. I'm not a drag queen, but you know, just here to support. Yeah, (laughs) very much support. Yeah. So, no known pictures of Swan survive today, but right now, his contributions to queer activism in Washington, D.C. will soon be recognized with the redesignation of a stretch of Swan Street Northwest in his honor. The street was originally named for Thomas Swan, a former Maryland governor and Baltimore mayor and slave owner who we don't care about at all. So they're going away and it's going to be named after Bye. after William Swan instead. Hell um, yeah. Right. The bill to rename that section of the street was introduced by D.C. Council member Brooke Pinto, who said, quote, we have seen so much anti-trans and anti-drag legislation and rhetoric around the country in a very problematic way. In Washington, D.C., where we are proud to have so many trans residents, we need to speak up and recognize, sometimes through symbolism, sometimes through legislation, how important these issues are. The bill also calls for a historic plaque to be posted in DuPont Circle, a Washington neighborhood with a rich LGBTQ plus history. The plaque will sit at the corner of New Hampshire Avenue, Swan Street Northwest, and 17th Street Northwest. So with that, dear listeners, I will close with our plea to you. Please vote in every election, even the small ones. We need more streets and plaques with people's names on them because they aren't going to be in our history books, or at least not anytime soon. But we can take steps to change that as well by voting. These men, women, gays and theys have not all lost their voices to time. Their voice is our voice and our voice is our vote. And that is my story on William Dorsey Swan. Thank you so, so, so much, Simone, for this recommendation because I really loved reading about it. Very cool. I love yes. it. What a great story. I agree. It's going to be a great episode. It's, it's going to be a little stranger than some of our other episodes based on, like, there's two intros, but it's good, though. It's fine. Listen, You guys are going to get to know us. 
They're uh, all welcome. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys so much for hanging yes. through this with us. If you're still here, we uh, appreciate we, you. We <laughs> really, really appreciate your support. <laughs> and we will catch you next time for our last installment of Pride Month. Or Lexi will finish up her part two. And I don't know what I'm going to do yet, but I'm going to do something. It's going to be good. If you want to find us in the meantime, you can find us on our Patreon at forward slash history woes you can also find us on our instagram forward slash history woes we can find the link to our patreon our website and the podcast wherever your podcasts are streaming we will catch you next time guys bye bye Bye.